0: Power
1: and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast. In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. That is true. That is. So you and Alex were singing Celebrate Jesus, Celebrate. (laughs) And I can't get it out of my head. Oh, that's great. That makes me happy. <laughs> so now we leave it to the listenership <laughs> to walk around with this song in their head. Celebrate. Come on and celebrate. Celebrate
0: Jesus. Yeah. So it. Not the most
1: profound
0: no, of Christian worship great songs.
1: Served well in his time. Sure. Didn't age well. Did not age well. Now, now I see all white room. Mm. I see 80s aerobic exercise wear <laughs> right the leggings the, with the uh sort of like the bathing suit over the leggings thing yep, yep it was workout wear in the 80s sure and then the leg warmers coming yep. halfway up the shin <laughs> dancing to celebrate so, yeah that's fantastic really big hair big, big oh yeah the big hair. oh yeah huge bangs yeah which was which was why they all had to do the workout routines <laughs> was to hold that up <laughs> This is not what we came for. This is not what we came for. We are chasing rabbits, and we're only a minute 20 seconds in. Well. Let's flip this. Let's flip the script.
0: Question 13, Tim. Number 13. Can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? Uh, Let's talk about it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I mean, we spent the last few weeks talking about what it is that... Uh, the law entails. I mean, just kind of a a microcosm of that, just looking at the Ten Commandments and the the implications of those commandments. Um, So the question becomes, if this is God's will for human beings, if this is the way that he wants us to conduct our lives, can we
1: do it? Yeah, and this is an important question to look at, getting sort of back into our format of why does the question matter? What are some possible answers? What does the catechism say? Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a thing for believers and non-believers alike to wrap their head around. I, I, I had a lady that was in church previous that, um, that really struggled with this concept of the law not being something that people could hold up mm. to the point that it, there was almost this despising of God for creating a law that no one could keep anyway. What was the point of that? As, as if it was a reckless or cruel thing for God to do, for the purpose of only applying condemnation. Wow. And yeah, it's a it's a very difficult position. That's very much not a Christian position, I, I would say. Um and so the, th- the thing is we have to answer the question lest people be allowed to persist in that kind of thought. Yeah, no. Or or someone who might be there to just sort of sit in that.
0: Sure. Sure.
1: So one of the things that um, we often like
0: to talk about are how people can kind of get this wrong, and I mean you've already given us one kind of answer of, of, of it causing us to despise God, but but there are there are you know a few key answers. The first one is very very simple. We don't need to talk about it very long, but there, there are some who would just say the question doesn't really matter uh, to us because. The law has zero bearing on us. It was, you know. Sure. Th- those were some rules for some people a long time ago in another place, and it doesn't matter. And right. we've already talked about in past weeks why that is not the case. Uh, but then we can get into kind of a little bit of church history, and this is maybe a bit of a preview of what we're going to be spending our time doing next year. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to talk about a guy named Pelagius. Pelagius. He was a British monk. Yes. At a time when, actually, like Christianity hadn't even arrived in Britain much before he kind of came about.
1: Yep, baptized in Rome. Did most of his work in North Africa. Yeah,
0: he was he was an international man. Mm-hmm. Um, but he fourth t- century, by the way. Fourth, yeah, fourth century. So we're talking we're talking way back here. Yep. Um, and so he had some opinions that came to kind of be known collectively as Pelagianism because it was Pelagius that wrote it. And he essentially said that humans are not tainted by original sin and could theoretically achieve human perfection without the need for divine grace.
1: Right. So here's here's something that I want to do that's going to be touchy, okay. possibly. Uh-oh. Uh, we we kind of live in a world where um, you have to hate on everything that involves an opposing position and not give any grace. So what I want to do is this. I want to give grace to the person of Pelagius okay. without agreeing with him. Okay, because I I think it's fair that we understand where people are coming from, yeah, and that we hear them out.
0: And he was known for being well learned, pious, loved the Lord, loved the people of God, right. He wasn't and, a bad dude,
1: right. And so, and so to to think of one of the reasons we know as much as we know about Pelagius is because of the writings of Augustine, right. So, so sometimes what happens is that in that is that we we end up making Pelagius the Joker to the Batman of Augustine. <laughs> and we only know about the Joker in relation to the evil he is doing to be opted or corrected by Batman. Right. Right? Uh, and so and so, because we most of what we know about Pelagius comes from the writings of Augustine and his opponents, we don't always get a fair shake. Mm. Uh, and so what I want to do is not agree with him, but present him fairly. Yeah. Right. His point was never to say we don't need the cross. His point was never to say Jesus is not our perfect example and sacrifice. Mm. It goes back further into the concept of free will. Sure. And so the idea was God gives all people free will, which includes the will to obey him. Mm. And when Christ came, he set free all people, and gave them the option to exercise their free will, their God-given free will, perfectly. Right. And because that is not the tendency of man, Mm -hmm. he also gives us grace for helps, such as an inspired scripture, Hmm. Christ's perfect example, justification through the cross, And all of these things that we necessarily depend upon, although we only depend upon those things because we, at some point, fall short. Right. Right? So, in that, you have really interesting things like Pelagius was one of the first people to oppose infant baptism. Interesting. Because the infant does not yet need to be baptized as a forgiveness of their sin hmm. because they've not yet had opportunity to choose, right to follow. Okay. And so repentance leads to baptism. Mm. And in mm. Pelagius' view, should be reserved for that moment. Uh, other things that came from this, it, it's sort of, whenever there becomes a controversy, people end up going to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Right? And so in the same way that people would be like, Pelagius was against all of these biblical foundations we have, like the inspiration of Scripture, uh, the need for grace and all that kind of stuff. The other camp was saying the same, the opposing things about Augustine, Mm -hmm. right? He's a fatalist, right? God determines every breath that we take and all of that kind of stuff, that there is no free will at all. Mm. And we're all just sort of like puppeteered. And and so the caricatures exist on both sides. Right. Pelagius didn't write these things. He wasn't like a guy who just woke up one day and said, hey, I got an idea. Um, a lot of this was passed along through the centuries. He was so well-respected in his time that he sort of became the face of it. Hmm. He was the oppo- was opposed by someone in his time who was also very famous in Augustine. Right. And so that sort of lo- locks him in it. Now, is he correct? Later, we'll argue no. Right. Uh, But just to say, that's a fair shake on the full scope of the position Mm -hmm. and its historical teaching. His urge was to say, we are called to live like Christ. God, through his general grace, has empowered mankind to live like Christ and has also provided grace for when we fail.
0: Right. Yeah, no, and I I appreciate you you plain good cop here. And I might do a little bit, a little bit of bad cop. Because, but in doing
1: that, he denies original sin.
0: Well, yeah. So essentially, there's a couple of things that he he wrote that that caused the uproar. Uh, essentially, he would say that Adam's fall mm-hmm. only affected him.
1: Yeah, that's a you problem, not a me problem.
0: Yeah, and 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 perhaps even in his writings um, suggested that, you know, Adam was kind of born mortal and his death was not directly connected to his individual sin. Right. That people, he would, he would also argue that people are born in the same condition that Adam and Eve were created in the garden. Yep. Kind of in this, in this relationship with God unmarred by sin. And it's only once they, you know, exercise their will against, uh, against God, that that is somehow compromised. Um, and one of the things that, that can potentially come out of that line of thinking, which could be problematic, is that th- kind of the most important thing in the Christian life is moral action. Right. Oh, for sure. Right. Like, just do good. You're able to do it. You're perfectly mm-hmm. able to, to, to follow God's law. You're perfectly able to walk in perfect obedience. So you need to do that. Right. Um, and, it, and although he would not deny the, the atonement, um, it, it de-emphasizes it. In, in his system in his theological system, oh, it,
1: it significantly de-emphasizes mm. yeah. it. Because when he talks about these things as a help, he's not he's not talking in the same he's not using the same form of helper that Jesus will use of the Holy Spirit, mm. right? He's just talking about like uh, you messed up, get clean again, and move on, mm. in the same way that a Catholic would look at confession. As a help. Right. Sure. Hit the reset button and try again. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's he's definitely wrong about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I said, I'm not trying to agree with. I know. I know. I'm just trying to say, let's figure out where he's coming from, at least.
0: Why and why he got there. Yeah. no, We're going
1: to bring him up. He's been gone for well over a thousand years, (laughs) almost two thousand years. But at the same time, uh, fair is fair. Yeah, He's not around to, like, defend himself. From sure, us. <laughs> it's yeah.
0: easy for us because, like, he's long gone, so it's not like he has much to, much opportunity to counter. But, um, so yeah, so that's one, that's one, you know, very well known, uh, example, uh, of a wrong answer to this question. Uh, I think a, a, if we kind of move along throughout history, we get to another uh, potentially wrong answer, or I think it is in fact wrong, is the idea of Christian perfectionism. And we've mentioned this mm-hmm. before on the podcast, but the idea that we can attain a state of sinlessness in our earthly life. So maybe we we didn't keep the law of God perfectly in the past, but now we can do so. We can have these extended periods of time where we're just walking in absolute Holiness and obedience, thought, word, deed, all of it, were a hundred percent on.
1: Yeah, and so, so all that th- that comes to head later on with uh, the rise of Methodist Church mm-hmm. and John Wesley. Yeah. Uh, but those discussions are part of what thrusted Pelagius into the discussion very early on, uh, because the question being brought forth was. Can this happen, Christian perfectionism, to which Pelagius says the gift of grace and free will uh, supersedes even salvation. Mm. So uh, that's why he said from the beginning we can make that choice, whereas others were saying no, only after salvation can you make that choice for Christian perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that to say Christian perfectionism then kind of dies away with mm-hmm. Pelagianism mm-hmm. and then doesn't come back in the mainstream until John Wesley. Yeah. But but both of these were, were well-received by a significant number of people sure. in the Catholic Church and always have been, to the point that there have been two popes who have taken the name, because, by the way, the pope's name is not actually his name. <laughs> they always change their name right. once they become pope, took on the name Pelagius. Mm-hmm. Pope Pelagius one and II, yeah. uh, in the 6th and—both s- of them in the 6th century, okay. actually.
0: Yeah, and I mean, so the, the idea of this, like, Christian perfectionism, too, and again, people might remember me saying something similar in the past, it presents two problems, I think, if we believe that we can attain this state of, you know, moral perfection, even after salvation in, sure. in, in this life. We either need to do one or both of two things. Either we overestimate our own morality, mm-hmm. our own goodness, our own righteousness. Either we, we think far too highly of ourselves and don't uh, don't view ourselves with a sober judgment, as Paul writes about in Romans, or we underestimate the requirements of God's law. And we talk, we've we talked about this as we went through the Ten Commandments, right? Like, it's not just the face value, thou shalt not murder. Well, I haven't killed anybody, so I've got that one down, right? Mm-hmm. We understand from the breadth of, of revelation in Scripture that— You know, even just hating your neighbor is a form of committing murder in your own heart. And so, um, you know, perhaps you're not, perhaps indeed you're doing pretty well. But I mean, we talk about thought, we talk about words, we talk about sins of omission, not simply sins of commission. I mean, you really, really got to hollow out what it is that sin is uh, in order to think that that we could fulfill perfect obedience in, in
1: this life. Yeah, it, it kind of says at one point I needed grace, but I'm good now. Yeah. Right? And thanks, might, to Jesus, yeah, thanks, thanks to, to Jesus, thanks to the atonement, yeah. but I'm good now. Yeah. Uh, and, and it doesn't resonate well with what Paul has to say. No. When Paul says I am the least, the chief of sinners, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't say once was. Mm-hmm. He says am. Uh, and so, yeah. yeah.
0: He talks about doing what he doesn't want to do and not doing right. what he, he knows he ought to do. Um, And this is Paul. This is the guy who, you know, brought the gospel to the Gentiles and wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. And so, um, you know, if you would one would assume if anybody was going to hit that stride, it might have been him. uh, But he certainly doesn't give us any indication that anything like that was happening. So. um, So what does the catechism say?
1: The catechism says an interesting thing. Okay, I'm going to. I'm going to throw some shade on this one that even the authors of it would go, whoa, you completely misunderstood. Okay. Since the fall, Mm -hmm. I would argue even before the fall. Since the fall, no mere human has been able to keep the law of God perfectly, Mm. but consistently breaks it in thought. Word, indeed. Okay. To me, it doesn't answer the question. It says, it hasn't been done by any mere human. You know who else said it hasn't been done by any mere human, but still leaves open the option that it could be done? Pelagius. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Trust me. Trust me. Keller would scream. He is the most mild-mannered man. Sure. Sure. And his wife, being the writer of this, I'm not presuming this on Timothy Keller. She, I'm sure, would be going, "No, no, 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 no! You are entirely missing what's going on, right? Uh, that this is carried by the Gospel Coalition, and he is a founding member of the Gospel Coalition. That is not what is intended by this at all. 100% not. Yet, the wording, yeah, I have a problem with. Yeah, I think you can say no human is able. Yes.
0: Right. But has been just kind of is speaking to just what has already happened. So, yeah, right. It leaves it. Grammatically, it leaves a crack in the door. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. And that's
1: where I read this and I was like, well, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So I think I think an interest, the better way to say it would be no, but. Hmm. No. Can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? No. But for Christ.
0: Sure, but it says mere human.
1: It does say mere. So that's because when I read it first, I was right. like,
0: "Oh, what about Jesus?" But it does say no mere human, and we right. know that Christ is human,
1: but he's not merely human. And and that's why I, that's why I didn't talk about that as the okay. as being another fault because they they do have the mere human. Yeah, and that's yeah. why there's the no but. Sure, no but for Christ, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which acknowledges, like they said, not merely human, uh, which is important because there is an entire other set of heretical thought on top of Pelagianism Mm -hmm. that would talk about Jesus obtaining his deity Mm -hmm. by perfect life. Yeah. um, And, and at that point being acknowledged and recognized as a, a, a holy deistic thing that being applied to him by merit of his works Mm. uh, as if he wasn't born the son of God. Yeah. um, Which is, wildly problematic on so many levels um, and inconsistent with the early life and the predictions of Christ before his birth. Um, And so, yeah, we have to acknowledge no, no mere human, um, but Christ not being the mere human did not in his flesh or by means of his flesh perfectly fulfill the law but by means of his deity, hmm. brought his flesh into submission. Is that fair to say?
0: I always get really freaked out about saying the wrong thing when we talk about the human and divine natures of God. So I'm oh, going to yeah. let you say
1: all of the important <laughs> things and just not turn myself into an accidental heretic. But- well, here's the thing. If if people listen to this podcast, then they could cut out sound bites and be like, oh, you hear this? But. <laughs> Since we don't have but two yeah. listeners, yeah. maybe they're busy and they don't have time to do that. Yeah, I don't um, think any of, like, the
0: discernment podcast or or blogs are, like, listening to us with a fine-tooth comb trying to catch us in. Right. In the evangelical
1: theological society <laughs> is not combing us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so man. so that's what I would say is Jesus does do this, but it kind of doesn't count because he's not mere Me- human. Exactly. As the Catechism says. Yeah. So— so all of that to say, Crossway, Mrs. Keller, I agree with you. I think it could have been worded better, <laughs> but I agree with you. Fair enough. Yeah,
0: so um, the, the scriptural support that they give, the, the verse verses, rather, that they, they, they carve out to kind of support this answer, uh, comes from Romans chapter 3, a well-known passage. Uh, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, and together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's pretty. That's that's uh, pretty emphatic.
1: And so in this, we have what we call, uh, particularly in the more reformed camps, mm-hmm. the doctrine of total depravity. So what we want to do is very quickly mm. make an explanation of what total depravity is and what it's not. Yes. Total depravity is not absolute depravity, right? That's correct. So total depravity means everything is broken. Absolute depravity means everything is completely broken. Yeah, as broken as it possibly could be. Right. You can have your check engine light come on because there's a problem, but the car still run.
0: Oh, yeah, I know. The Cube's been going with that light on for a while
1: now. Right? So... <laughs> That's the difference between total <laughs> depravity and absolute depravity. Right. <laughs> absolute depravity is the things on blocks. The engine doesn't turn over. Right. Nothing on it works. If you tried to open it, the door handle doesn't work. Absolute would mean there is nothing that works. Mm, yeah. Total depravity means everything is broken. Right. And so when we look at a passage like this, and it says no one does good, not even one. He's. We're not reading this in such a way as to say good cannot be done. Right. Right? Eventually, someone would accidentally do something in an attempt that would be wrong for one, but yet benefit another person, and then good was done, and the whole thing falls apart. But no, the, the idea is we cannot do anything effectually good. Mm. We cannot be good in the way that Jesus challenges the person that comes to him and says, good teacher, and he says, why do you call me good? Right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a superlative concept of good. Right. Perfectly good. Versus, mostly good. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think for uh, like a good example to kind of maybe drive this home is is even if we think of like these terrible and evil people in history, right? The whatever the Hitlers, the Stalins, the Mao's, whatever. The idea is like they were obviously broken, um, but even terrible people like that could have potentially been worse. Yeah, right? or like they're not as as ultimately bad as they could possibly be but we see the brokenness of who they are and the brokenness of who we are, uh, clearly.
1: Yeah, and and although you would never argue one of those guys, you'd be like, wow, I'm, I'm sure he was a great father, <laughs> right? Probably bought a birthday present for his kid mm-hmm. or read to them one night before bed or whatever, did something that would be counted a good act. Sure. Right? So the, the point is not to call this an absolute depravity, but a total depravity, which mm-hmm. means every element of creation is in need of the restoring grace of christ yeah and the atonement
0: yeah i think like if you think of a tree that's been infected by a disease that tree might still bear some leaves Mm -hmm. right it might still have some some kind of fruit that come from it but it is slowly being eaten away from inside and that condition that it's in although it may show certain signs of life will ultimately lead to death yeah. Right, will ultimately cause that tree to die,
1: and I th- I think this is something universally understood, mm-hmm. in that our defense against the sinfulness of our nature is to say, well, at least I'm not as bad as. I think that's that's a perfect real world explanation that we all acknowledge depravity, but not absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, shades of gray.
0: Sure. Yeah, and so and we know that even even the world around us is affected this way, right. The, the, the fall has has marred this the world around us and yet we're still able to perceive God's glory through it. Mm-hmm. And in the same way human beings although marred by sin, although, you know, affected by this total depravity that we've been speaking of, still bear the image of God. Mm-hmm. And there are there are because of that there are there are good uh good things about them even though they are in that
1: condition. Right. And so everything inside of me is wanting to say, so let's talk about original sin Mm. and what it means to be born of Adam. Sure. And can we even conceive of a Pelagianistic world? Mm. But that's next week's question. Okay. And so we kind of have to leave that part of it hanging. Mm -hmm. In some ways, in some ways, this is a setup. This question is a setup for the next question. Mm -hmm. Like the, the questions do that. They lead to each other. Right. Right. Uh, in the same way, the Ten Commandments, saying this is what the God requires of us, leads us to, can anyone keep this? And then the question is, could it ever be possible, right? Mm. Um, and so also there, a little grace for the wording of the answer, right, if the answer is a setup for the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah, no, and, and I get that. I, th- I think it's worth still worth mentioning, though, you know, even— today although we we will get into in greater detail next week this idea that what we need because of this depravity is Mm -hmm. not purely moral improvement right right like i think that's i think we we have to we have to understand that right like this is this is not simply a situation where okay there's some bad things and i just got to cut that out and just kind of like preserve the good and then i'll be good um you know we actually need to be born again. Right. Right. Like that, Jesus emphasizes the the importance, the necessity of the new birth. I don't know if you've ever heard of like the analogy of like to describe salvation, like what Jesus does for us. The, the analogy of the life preserver. Mm-hmm. You know, you're out in the water, you're drowning, you're about to go under. And, you know, Jesus tosses you the life preserver and you grab it and, you know, he rescues you that way. To me, that falls short. I think we're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. We're dead in the water. He dives into the water, brings us out, breathes new life into us, um, and we have to we have to have that understanding that this is not this is not simply a situation of oh well if I could just make myself better um, if I could just exercise my will enough to be good enough then somehow I would I would achieve the the degree of holiness that that God wants me to have. Um, we are we are so deeply affected um, by this that we we need a rescue that is. Outside of ourselves.
1: Yeah, because the person flailing the water is at least keeping themselves afloat. Yeah. And as long as they're keeping themselves afloat, there is always arguably the potential mm-hmm. that they would lead themselves to yep. the shore.
0: They're going to turn themselves into Michael Phelps and just like front crawl right. all the way back to shore.
1: A-, a change of the tide. Sure. And they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be a circumstance around you kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, anything else to say this week before we say goodbye, Tim? I' Looking forward to next week. Yeah, me too. Where we can dive into the original sin part of it mm-hmm. and talk about why, biblically, Pelagius' argument doesn't stand up. Sure. Um, and what a different argument for that is. And, and to be fair, it's not just Pelagius. I think the Jehovah's Witness also deny original sin yeah. in a very powerful way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm good. Great. All right. Well, then... Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada, and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next week. Take care.